0: Ian Milheiser is a regular guest on this program. He is a senior constitutional policy analyst at the Center for American Progress and the editor of Think Progress Justice. He's author of Injustices, the Supreme Court's nearly unbroken history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted. More than a pleasure to have Ian Milheiser rejoining us this afternoon. Happy hump day, Ian. Welcome back.
1: It's good to be back. Thank you so much.
0: Let's um, hear a few things first. Earlier today, this took place. It was breaking news. This uh, judge was on a short list, but here we go. President Obama and his nomination of Judge Merrick Garland for Supreme Court of the United States, cut one.
2: Today, after completing this exhaustive process, I've made my decision. I've selected a nominee who is widely recognized not only as one of America's sharpest legal minds, but someone who brings to his work a spirit of decency modesty, integrity, even-handedness, and excellence. These qualities and his long commitment to public service have earned him the respect and admiration of leaders from both sides of the aisle. He will ultimately bring that same character to bear on the Supreme Court, an institution in which he is uniquely prepared to serve immediately. Today, I am nominating Chief Judge Merrick Brian Garland, to join the Supreme Court.
0: And this was Judge uh, Garland's response. You can hear how emotional he is about this nomination. Cut to.
3: Thank you, Mr. President. This is the greatest honor of my life. Other than Lynn agreeing to marry me 28 years ago. It's also the greatest gift I've ever received, except, and there's another caveat, the birth of our daughter's Jesse and Becky, fidelity to the Constitution and the law has been the cornerstone of my professional life. And it's the hallmark of the kind of judge I have tried to be for the past 18 years. If the Senate sees fit to confirm me to the position for which I've been nominated today, I promise to continue on that course. Mr. President. It's a great privilege to be nominated by a fellow Chicagoan. I am grateful beyond words for the honor you have bestowed upon me. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations, you. Good, job. Good job.
0: And then this is the response by the Senate and the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, cut three.
4: The decision the Senate announced weeks ago remains about a principle and not a person, about a principle, and not a person. It seems clear that President Obama made this nomination not, not with the intent of seeing the nominee confirmed, but in order to politicize it for purposes of the election. Americans are certain to hear a lot of rhetoric from the other side in the coming days. But here are the facts they should keep in mind. The current Democratic leader said the Senate is not a rubber stamp, and he noted that the Constitution does not require the Senate to give presidential nominees a vote. That's the current Democratic leader. The incoming Democratic leader did not even wait until the final year of George W. Bush's term to essentially tell the Senate, not, he said, not. To consider any Supreme Court nominee the President sent. So here's our view. Instead of spending more time debating an issue where we can't agree, let's keep working to address the issues where we can.
0: We're going to talk about this now with you and with our guest, Ian Milheiser, Senior Constitutional Policy Analyst at the Center for American Progress, editor of Think Progress Justice. Ian, you wrote a great piece entitled, Obama Nominates Merrick Garland to Supreme Court, and uh, really, it, Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, the the piece entitled, um, Who is uh, Merrick Garland? And I do want to get to that um, as well. But I want to talk first about a few things. Sure. President Obama, before he was president, wrote a book in which he talked about an appointment, in his opinion, by a president to the Supreme Court would be somebody who was more of a moderate. Is yep. it fair to say that the president has been consistent with the what he believes prior to being president, and what he's just done with Judge Merrick Garland's nomination today.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that this is really the sort of nominee he's been saying that he's what he wants to put on the Supreme Court for, for a number of years. Um, you know, what Obama has said is that, you know, he does think that the courts play a role. You know, we do have constitutional rights, but he also thinks that there have been times when the courts have gone too far, and frankly, when liberals have asked for too much from the courts. And, you know, bear in mind, this is also a president who has been harassed by lawsuits for almost his entire presidency. Um, you know, what stands out to me about Judge Garland is that he takes a very restrained approach to, uh, to the law. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it, he's not going to do nothing as a judge. And he's not going to do nothing if he is a justice. But for the most part, he wants the courts to step back and let the democratic process work. And, you know, that's what Obama has said that he wants, and I I think that he, he probably will have that person in Judge Garland.
0: When we look at comparisons, some people say it's almost unfair to have a nomination for this man when you hear the response Um, by mitch mcconnell so a couple of things first of all do you think this will be a bad thing for republicans and will they lose seats perhaps and mitch mcconnell lose his position as senate majority leader in november um as a way of americans even republicans um shaking their finger i mean even the president has said you you just you, you can't just stop governing in the last year of a presidency
1: Right. Well, I mean, I think that we are going through a, a great national debate about whether or not America is a serious nation anymore. Um, you know, I mean, this, the refusal to confirm anyone is just one symptom of a disease whose biggest symptom is Donald Trump. Um, You you, you know, the the, the Republicans do not seem particularly serious about the subject of governing across the board, and that manifests in smaller ways when it comes to not confirming people. It manifests in larger ways when it comes to shutting down the government. And then it's manifesting in this disaster of a primary they're having that seems inclined to to appoint a belligerent guy who knows nothing about policy and may be a fascist. Um, So, you you know, I think that eventually – um, that is something that the American people have to decide if they're going to reject wholesale and if they do reject it wholesale I think we could start moving back to you know to a normal process where it should be obvious not just that you know we have democratic norms in this country but that, someone very moderate like Merrick Garland should be confirmed to the Supreme Court if he's nominated by the president. Um, you know, but I think that what we're dealing with here when you look at the way that they're treating Judge Garland is a symptom of a much larger disease.
0: And when we, we talk about this um, entire concept, it, it, it almost sounds to me like, well, they threw rocks in our yard and we are throwing them back because, you know, right. this is the precedent they set. Um, it is not unprecedented, obviously, for parties to try and block a nomination. It's also not right. unprecedented for a president uh, for to put forth uh, in their final year. Other, you know, presidents have and have had uh, Supreme Court justices that were nominated, even confirmed. You know, we know that. We know all the facts. The American right. people know all of the facts. But Senator Mitch McConnell is banking on a Republican presidency. We all look at the same poll numbers. We all have access to the same Internet, the same news channels on uh, mainstream networks and cable. Uh, Senator McConnell must realize that Hillary Clinton has a good shot at being the nominee for the Democrats and president. And if she's president, she might say, well, Judge Garland, I like you. That was President Obama's choice. I'm going to go far left of that.
1: Right, yeah. And then that's, you know, why they might wind up – well, you you know, I mean, again, it's a symptom of a larger disease. I mean, Republicans could have negotiated with Democrats over the Affordable Care Act, and they might have been able to water the bill down or get some provisions in there that they would have liked if they had played ball. They decided not to play ball. They got a bill that was written by Democrats, and now they complain about it. And, you know, you see, you see the same phenomenon going on here, where they're refusing to engage in the process. Obama has extended them a huge olive branch. Um, you know, and it's not just that Judge Garland is fairly centrist. Judge Garland's 63 years old. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with being 63 years old, but a 63-year-old probably isn't going to serve as long on the Supreme Court as a 49-year-old. So this is a huge olive branch that has been extended here and if they reject it, you're exactly right that could wind up what could wind up happening is a year from now President Clinton stands does another rose garden ceremony and there's a forty nine year old standing next to her who's gonna serve fifteen more years than Judge Garland will.
0: That's a very good point. Uh, speaking of, if, in in fact, it goes down like this, and, well, first of all, do you think that Republicans are, you know, are having the conversation you and I are having but behind closed doors, and, and do you think that Republicans leery of losing their very slight majority in right. the Senate and losing that in November, and seats, maybe not a majority, but seats in the House – And certainly, you know, fearful that they will lose the presidency, and I think some of them even would rather have Hillary than Donald Trump as president, um, and and be able to hold on to their majority—the Republican majority—as it is right now in the House and the Senate. Do you think there are some people knocking on uh, Mitch McConnell's door and saying, "You know, I'm not sure this is a good idea. We need to rethink this. I think we need to hear this guy out." Yeah.
1: Well, here's here's the thing. I actually think the problem comes back to Citizens United. And what I mean by that is, like, there was a time where parties were in control of themselves and when they were in control of their own leaders, where, you know, the Republican Party, if could decide how they wanted their leaders to govern, and and, and they could make decisions. And what Citizens United has changed is now we have a sort of government by terroristic use of money, where there are so many well-funded groups that if they don't like what, what what their leaders are doing can throw money at them and can disrupt their elections and can threaten them with a the, with the primary challenge and there's just so many of them that if any one of them is mad at you then you risk getting um you you, you risk getting primary, you risk you risk losing your your job and so it used to be the case that if Mitch McConnell decided as a strategic matter that it's better to confirm the 63-year-old moderate that's on the table now so they don't wind up with the 49-year-old who's more liberal later. It used to be the case that like McConnell and various Republican players could basically give the GOP senators permission to go ahead and do that. Now, if they were to try to do that, the the box that they're in is there's going to be some interest group there that's going to insist on them being maximally belligerent. That interest group will threaten to drop millions of dollars in primary challenges on anyone who who votes to support Garland. And what winds up happening is that the GOP can't make strategic decisions because they're constantly living in terror of every single interest group that has a maximalist strategy.
0: All right, we're going to take a break, Ian. We'll be back with Ian Milheiser uh, Don't go away. 8886 Leslie, 888 653 7543. We're talking about the president's nomination of Judge Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. I'll finish up with Ian in this next segment, and then we'll go to your calls. Get in line now. 8886 Leslie, 888 7543 is the number. I uh, want you to join us. Don't go away.
5: just the cat just in
0: Senior constitutional policy analyst at the Center for American Progress, editor of Think Progress Justice, and author of Injustices: The Supreme Court's Nearly Unbroken History of Comforting the Comfortable and Afflicting the Afflicted. Ian, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, going to your piece. Who is uh, Merrick Garland? Um, if if Judge Garland mm-hmm. gets the cold shoulder from the Republicans, and if what happens is what Senator Mitch McConnell said today, which is, you know, we're just going to wait till the next president is up. Right. What what do you think will happen going forward? And I say that because people say that looking back historically that Bork was very embittered, but that Merrick Garland's a very different man. Talking right. about being emotional, talking about his wife and marrying her being the most you know the best day of his life, you know better than this, and you know the birth of his children. Um, is Merrick Garland somebody that could deal with the fact that he may be nominated, never have a hearing, never have a vote? A new president comes in and may not be the next nominee or Do you think, if you had to bet, there was a perhaps phone meeting confidentially between Hillary, the president, and Judge Garland?
1: Right. So, I mean, you know, Merrick Garland's a very intelligent man, and he can watch the news, I think, just like the rest of us. So, you know, I don't think he's ignorant about what he signed up for when he accepted this nomination. I mean, I think he knows that he's going to be kicked around a lot, and I think that he knows that he's got a very difficult path to the confirmation, um, now, in terms of like what happens if he's not confirmed and Hillary Clinton is, is, is president, I think the only person who can answer that question really is, is Hillary Clinton. Um, you, you know, I think that you know if I were her, if she does intend to renominate Judge Garland, I wouldn't necessarily advertise that if I was her because the leverage point, the leverage that I think that um democrats and that i think that you know people want to see judge uh, garland confirmed have right now is the possibility that if republicans don't play ball now they can wind up with someone younger and less centrist um in the in the next presidency uh
0: we uh have a lot to talk about and i know that you know we're going to have you back uh, again in the future uh, what do you want to impress upon those listening with regard to judge garland and regard to this process
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I'll say, that, you know, like I said about Judge Garland, I, you know, the, this is someone who I think will bring some welcome restraint to the Supreme Court. You know, I, I've spent the last seven years, um, you know, in terror of, the, of every decision day when the Supreme Court's handing down decisions, because, you know, you don't know how they're going to kick you around next. And... You know, what Judge Garland is not going to do is he is not going to allow liberals to treat the Supreme Court in the same way that conservatives tried to treat it with their endless series of lawsuits trying to strike down Obamacare and with things like that. But he is going to, I think, restore some normalcy to the court where, you know, the court backs off a bit in our lives, power returns to the people that we actually get to vote into office. And, you know, we don't have this constant stream of, you know, every single time the president does something that um, the, the other party disapproves of, suddenly we have to have a lawsuit about it.
0: I thank you for being with us, Ian. And like I said, we'll have you back on again. Uh, check out his piece, Who is America Garland? And by the way, you can go to the website, thinkprogress.org, or also go to AmericanProgress.org. Follow Ian on Twitter at I. Milheiser. I M I L L H I S E R, and also follow Think Progress at Think Progress. Go to Amazon, buy his book, Injustices the Supreme Court's Nearly Unbroken History of Comforting the Comfortable and Afflicting the Afflicted. I'm Leslie Marshall. Pick up the phone and join us, 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. As you know, President Obama nominated a Supreme Court uh, potential Judge Merrick Garland uh, to the Supreme Court. He made this nomination. Judge Merrick Garland is respected across political lines. And it was an epic power play targeting the resolve of Republicans who have vowed to block any replacement for the late Justice Antonin Scalia until a new president takes office. GOP leaders were caught in the undertow of an election in which the conservative grassroots are already in revolt immediately, renewing their refusal to consider 63-year-old Judge Garland, saying their reservations were not personal but motivated by a desire for the American people to weigh in on Scalia's replacement. Now, that showdown is even more fraught than most Supreme Court fights since the president's choice could tilt the ideological balance of the court away from conservatives, possibly for years. But it could be even worse for Republicans if Hillary Clinton becomes president and has a judge that's younger and far more left-leaning. Maybe they should stick with the devil they know. What do you think of Merrick Garland being President Obama's choice for Supreme Court nominee? Uh, We have a poll that we have posted on Twitter, and our Twitter followers are voting on that poll, and uh, we asked the same question. Uh, So go to Twitter. Follow me there, at Leslie Marshall. Let me see what it says right now. Uh, What do do we have uh, right now in uh, the poll? uh 78%. Say that, yes, the Supreme Court. And I know people might say, well, you're a liberal, a Democrat and a progressive. But believe it or not, um, <laughs> not only not only because I'm on Fox News Channel, but if you read my, my Twitter, uh, my, my Twitter page in the feeds uh, coming to me, the tweets, uh, we have a lot of conservatives. I say <sighs> probably more conservatives follow me on Twitter than uh, liberals. So here is the question. Should the Senate at least give Supreme Court of the United States nominee Merrick Garland a fair and honest hearing, even if ultimately rejected? 78 percent say yes. say no, and uh, we have 26 minutes left in voting for that. Go to at Leslie Marshall on Twitter. Go to Twitter and follow me there at Leslie Marshall. If you already follow me, uh, take that poll. Also, answer the question here. If you don't want to take the poll and you'd rather talk, we'd rather hear from you. What do you think of the president's choice, Uh, Judge Garland, 8886Leslie, and answer that Twitter question. Do you think that – even if he's ultimately rejected, that they need to have hearings and need to place a vote. They, being the Senate, Republican majority Senate. 8886 Leslie, Eight 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 six five three seven five four three 537 543 is uh, the number. And that is the question we posed. And I want you to answer should the Senate at least give Merrick Garland a fair and honest hearing, even if they ultimately reject him as a nominee? Uh, about two thirds, right now, more than two thirds, are saying. Of those polled, yes. 8886 Leslie. Now, 66% of Americans support President Obama's nominee getting a hearing. That's 66% of Americans. Over 70% of those on our Twitter poll. So let's say approximately two-thirds of Americans, whether it's my people on on Twitter or America across the board in this poll, um, support the president's nominee getting that hearing. If Senate Republicans refuse to even give Judge Garland a hearing... Do you think it will hurt them in November at election time with the Senate seats that are up for grabs in the House seats as well eight 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 six leslie eight 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 six five three seven five four three and how much harder will it be for Republicans to hold the Senate in November? Since the majority of Americans feel do your job 8886 Leslie 8886537543 is the number. And can you even imagine Donald Trump nominating a Supreme Court justice? He has spoken of his sister, we don't know if she's qualified to be a Supreme Court member. By the way, did you know you don't even have to be a judge or a lawyer to be a Supreme Court justice nominee? Did you know that? I didn't know that till today. You do not have to be a judge or a lawyer to be a Supreme Court justice that gives nominee. That me an
5: idea, Leslie. You know who would be the ultimate kick in the you-know-what? What? Think about it. Who, if Hillary Clinton was president... Could she actually put in the Supreme Court that would President Obama? That's right.
0: Well, no. And there's actually nothing that stops her from doing that. And a lot of people said President Obama could have nominated Michelle. Not that you have to be a lawyer. His wife, Uh, not that if you are following House of Cards, Uh, not that you have to be a lawyer, Um, you know, but she is. Uh, But can you imagine who Donald Trump would nominate? Now, he said his sister, we don't know her voting record, but my crew jokingly said he'd nominate Dennis Rodman. Who knows? You know? you know north korea's buddy 8886 leslie eight 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 six five three seven five four three is the number let's get to those calls 8886 leslie let's go to dave in humboldt county on line three listening to 1480
5: a.m kgoe dave well, see, i like a lot of your thinking and i like where you show texas you make us think i am a very suspicious person i personally i i think that the Corporate America, the Wall Street neocon faction, is so dictating events in our country that uh, that's concerning me greatly. I think yes, certainly the judge should be given a fair hearing and an opportunity to see if he should be serving. But we've got Congress right now that's all answerable to this one percent faction, and that's that's very very troubling to me. We won, you know, I think right now we maybe got one candidate of them all that's accepting only money from the working people and the poor and whatnot and saying, I'm caring what's happening from the people and not what's just happening with the greedy uh, Wall Street interests. Uh, but I, I think it sounds like we got a judge that's willing to hear both sides and maybe make reasonable rulings, and they don't want that. I want somebody that does what the big corporate America tells them to do. Uh, I'm uh, rambling a bit, but thank you for your show.
0: All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. 8886 uh, Leslie. Now, we have this guy, Paul, who wanted to trash uh, Brad last um, hour, Brad Bannon. And uh, I don't have his email in front of me because we moved on from hours, so I deleted it. And my nickname is DQ Delete Queen. Uh, but his name is Paul. And uh, he sent two emails. And the, and the first one was, you know, he was angry because he thought Brad was not being honest with the delegate number count. He was including superdelegates. There are numerous articles. Google it yourself, Paul. I don't need to do the research for you. Even without superdelegates, Hillary Clinton has a sizable lead with actual delegates throughout the states that have voted in primaries and caucuses thus far in the United States. And she's projected to win the nomination even without her superdelegate count. I believe the Washington Post did an article on that a week or two ago. And Paul also says, email, come on, first there was a guest who framed the delegate count, including the superdelegate, skewing the whole argument. And now you say that if you don't confirm Obama's nominee, Hillary may nominate someone far to the left. Okay, what are you guys smoking? This is imagination. Clinton would never in the wildest dream go farther left than right of center. I'm getting the idea what your show is about. Paul, our show is about what it always has been about. I am a liberal progressive Democrat who presents a liberal progressive Democrat opinion and view of news on political and social issues compared to the overwhelming majority of talk show hosts who are conservative. So in other words, I present another side. always have, 28 years now, okay? Nothing new. What rock are you living under? If you want to ask what I'm smoking, perhaps it's you smoking under that rock. Secondly, nobody is saying that if Obama's nominee is not confirmed – Hillary will uh, will uh, nominate someone far to the left. Listen, and I know sometimes it's hard when a woman talks for a man to hear everything we say because you don't always listen and sometimes it comes off like I'm the teacher on Charlie Brown. Wah, wah, wah. But listen, what I said was, in other words, Mitch McConnell is, is betting on a Republican become, becoming president and a conservative justice replacing a conservative justice, a very conservative justice. And right now, This judge, Merrick Garland, is a moderate judge, and Hillary Clinton may choose, if she's president, not to select the same judge that Obama did and may, in fact, and I believe she would and I believe she should, put somebody far to the left and somebody who is young and will be there a very long time. So in other words, Mitch McConnell's strategy might backfire. That's what I said. I didn't say she would do that. She might do that. And and honestly, if I were her, I would do that. So sorry you don't like it. That's not what the – if you feel that the show is about discussing as any talk show does – and, and speculating about what could be because none of us are clairvoyant and have a crystal ball. And if so, call Oprah immediately. Um, then, you know, I guess you really shouldn't be listening to talk radio. I don't know what to tell you. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. When we come back, more of your calls at 886 leslie 888 Don't go away.
6: Leslie Marshall, real people, real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888 6 Leslie.
0: to the calls. Paul's in Massachusetts on line one, listening to WHMP 400, 1400 AM in Springfield, out of Springfield. Hey, Paul, good afternoon.
1: can you hear me okay?
0: Yes, I can. Your phone may be going in and out a little bit. If we can't hear you, we'll put you on hold. I won't hang up on you just until you get in a better zone. What, what do you have to say?
7: Um, I, so <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an uncommon sort of um, uh, kind of hard left-leaning observer to um, it's, I mean, of course, uh, Clinton. Uh, of course, uh, of course, um, the president's appointment should, should should get a hearing, and um, I think you know, yeah, I had a long track of accurately predicting predicting an election. Uh,
0: okay, we're going to put him on hold, as I said, simply because his phone's going up. We'll check back with him in a bit. Uh, let's go to Springfield, Massachusetts. Also listening in WHMP, fourteen hundred AM. David is next. David, good afternoon. No, Hey, David.
6: Concerning this uh, whole issue about the uh, Supreme Court appointment, you know and I know, everyone knows that it's a political football, and it's been kicked around by both parties at different times. While I believe that the president has a right to appoint anyone uh, of his choosing, and that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get his choice, a president does have a right to do that uh, regardless of whether he's in uh, an election year or not. I do believe that we should follow the principles of President Jefferson. Our Constitution is a flawed document, very flawed, all kinds of defects in it. And the biggest defect is about the judiciary. Jefferson never believed that life tenure for the federal judges was a good system. And I think he was right. We should try to amend the Constitution and take life tenure away from the federal judiciary. And the appointment should be nothing more than six or eight years at the most.
0: Okay. Anything else?
6: Uh, the only other thing I want to say is that uh, in 1924, the Progressive Party Convention that nominated La Follette for president and Burton K. Wheeler for vice president advocated a system something like that, and they also advocated an amendment to the Constitution that would give the voters specific rights to vote on issues of national importance in national referenda. In today's world, that would be perfect for things like the abortion issue, the world court, marriage, uh, treaties like NATO, they should have been uh, decided by the people in national referenda. And I think that um, the idea of the Supreme Court having all of this authority and power um, is not really a good thing because Congress has caved in and refused to exercise its judgment.
0: Well, the Supreme Court's power... Has been what it's been since we've had the three branches of government and the practice of those branches of government uh, and, and them being, you know, the nine members of the highest court in the land at the judicial branch. Um, how, how would you change it? And, you know, I, to me, it would take 100. I, I think it would take 100 years just to get rid of an electoral college, never mind a Supreme Court or to to, you know, redefine uh, their level of authority.
6: Well, while I'm agreeing agreeing with you that the Electoral College is something that should have been gotten rid of at least 100 years ago, if not more, Uh, Jefferson also recommended getting rid of the electoral vote and having the direct election of president. Um, There have been some voices in Congress from time to time asking about changing the Constitution. Uh, Unfortunately, they haven't had enough support, but uh, it, it isn't really a good thing to give life tenure to these people, because when the Constitution was written in 1787, the typical life expectancy was somewhere around 40 years of age, and um, I'm sure that this was taken into consideration in the Constitutional Convention. Uh, although a lot of the notes and you know uh, information of the original convention have been destroyed, they're lost, they're they're gone, um, but. The idea of giving people life tenure is not a good idea, and if it were a lot shorter like an eight year term or even four years, there wouldn't be all of this um, bickering about it because they'd know that every four years or eight years you could have a
0: different choice. Well you know something uh, I, I don't I, I hear you and I don't totally disagree that it shouldn't I'm not into necessarily whether it's a professor, quite frankly, um, or a judge that it should be a, a tenured position. And, um, you know, so but this Supreme Court justice nominee is 63 years of age. So you would get, you know, your, uh, uh, you know, numerical satisfaction there. Right. Uh, Appreciate the call. Give us a call back. I don't want you to be a stranger, David, uh, there in Springfield. Let's go to Dayton, Ohio, on line four with Wilson. Um, Wilson, you listened to Merrick Garland's speech today, correct? And you have an opinion as to what type of a, a nominee the president has put forth.
7: I did, Leslie. It's great to talk to you. I'm Wilson. I drive an ambulance in Ohio, here in Dayton, Ohio. And I was Well, listening. thank you for being one of our wonderful first responders. Yeah, and I, I got lucky to hear the, uh, uh, the the speech and the response by Merritt Ireland, and I was very impressed by the gentleman. I don't know a lot about him. I think it was great that President Obama, I think, you know, the Republicans a lot of time they're all about the Constitution, and I think part of the Constitution is stepping forward quickly to point and fill that vacancy on the Supreme Court. The gentleman, what a great gentleman, you know the grandson of uh, of immigrants, and he just sounded wonderful. i'm curious, I was just listening to the guy before. I agree with him a lot I think i don 't know if I like the idea of judges having life tenure, but with the Supreme Court, I would make that exception. I think they should have
0: that position for life. Okay, so you do think it's a, a life position, and you do feel like the majority of the people in the United States, in a poll, and are poll Twitter, that 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 you feel the Senate should do their job and at least hear, uh, you know, have a hear- have hearings on this guy, and then make their vote, even if he ultimately is not, uh, if that nomination is not accepted by the Senate.
7: Oh yeah, I hope they don't play politics. They need to go through uh, the process. They need to go through the process and get the man. Okay, and, and do what is right.
0: Okay, Wilson, thank you for the call. Do call us again. 8886 leslie Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. Michael in the Bronx is online, too. Michael, good afternoon.
8: Hello, Leslie. How are you?
0: Good. You know, you got to hand it
8: to President Obama, not only playing chess but teaching these Republicans and everyone an important lesson about obligations to fulfill under the law and under the Constitution, and he has done so, all right? The same with um, Mitch McConnell and these Republicans saying there won't be any hearings until the next president. I also heard floating around on Facebook that there was a senator that went further saying we won't have any hearings until we have another GOP presidency, that if we have a Democratic president, they will still um, hold the thing and hijack. So my suggestion is that if these Republicans want to play like that, then they all need to be held accountable. And as far, and they're the ones that collect the tax paying dollars for their salaries. To me, that's fraud and theft, and that falls
0: pretty much criminal as well. Well, well to me, so, what's, what's criminal is the very people who elected the current composite of the Senate, which is a Republican majority, ergo put uh, Mitch McConnell in his position, in a sense, are the same people um, that he is neglecting the voices of in leading not just the the Senate, but his party, especially, but, you know, even more specifically Senate Republicans um, to have, have no hearings, no vote. And on top of it, do you want to hear rude and add insult to injury? President Obama starts tomorrow going through the halls of the Senate with judge Merrick Garland, who Republicans okay. know like has been a, a DC establishment uh, appellate court judge for years, and who they overwhelmingly uh, approved of for for, for 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 that position. And tomorrow, when President Obama walks the halls of the of the Capitol, walks the halls of the offices of senators, Mitch McConnell will refuse to let them in his office. What? Now, this is the commander in chief, the president of the United States, and his nominee. You don't want to have hearings. You don't want to vote. That's wrong. But you won't even allow – the, and some people will probably, like, look over their shoulder to see if Mitch McConnell's looking before they open the door to the president and this man tomorrow. How, how disgusting is that? And how childish is that?
8: Let me, let me add to that, Leslie, that everyone should be reminded of, is that it's the same Mitch McConnell that said that um, when Reagan was president, that no matter what, we got to have a nomination hearing, have an up or down vote. So that's hypocrisy right there and in plus these same Republicans had no problem whatsoever confirming um this nominee to the federal bench so it's like what the heck is the
0: problem right and then but their argument is as it has been when they saw the potential with the short list of which uh merrick garland was on it uh was well you know uh being a you know a circuit court judge is different than a supreme court judge yada yada um we have in our poll now 79 percent say the senate should our vote uh, our poll on twitter 79 percent say the senate should uh listen and vote you know, have a hearing uh, for Garland and 21% say no. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you to Mark Grimaldi, our executive producer, Andrew Tomedy, our assistant producer, and all of you listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will as well. Have a wonderful afternoon and evening on this hump day.